team at sport-social.co.uk. Hello, welcome back to game week six of the FPL Masterclass. Rob, we are racing through the season already. We're ready, you know, nearly nearly a quarter of the way, th- no, nearly a third, of, yeah, a quarter of the way through. My math is really bad today. And uh, my team is still struggling, but you know what? I got 60 points or 61 points this week. I'm pretty happy with that. We've got a lot to talk about. We're looking at the Liverpool, uh, let's say the triumvirate of Trent, Salah and Mane, who have been absolutely fantastic. I mean, look, Liverpool are sitting top of the table are they must-haves? That's the question today. Rob, welcome back. How are you feeling about your team performance last week? And how are you feeling about the idea of bringing in a couple of the Liverpool ones? I know there's a couple of people that play this game and they really don't want to bring in any Liverpool players. But you know what? The game's the game, isn't it? You know. So how are you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling good. You know, an average week for me, kind of just below 60 points, 57 points for the week. Uh, I always say the magical mark this year is 60 points on average per week. So if you hit that or you get near to that, then it's not what you would call a bad return. So before this week, the first five weeks, kind of pretty level for me over that mark quite comfortably in the top 1% of all players. That's kind of where I want to be. And we want to kind of share that knowledge on this show to be able to help everyone else achieve those kind of figures. Yeah, I mean, look here, um, Shershar saying, scored a quite high, quite a high 82 points this week. Nice. Uh, so you did you did really well. It was a really high scoring week, to be honest, Rob. The average was about 51. Yeah. But you're looking at the uh, the top score was 144. It was a bit of a strange one, wasn't it? I mean, we saw we saw some big performances from from certain players, but I think on the whole, you know, Antonio was out as well. A lot of people had Antonio in their team. We saw Trent didn't play as well today as well. Simakas came in. So it was a bit of a strange game week because you're just looking at where the points were. Obviously, Tony did really well. Um, ben Ramos got some points as well. So, yeah, all in all, it was a, a bit of a strange game week for me. Yeah, the average is always a really good way of looking about the whole game week as a whole. So that kind of 50, mid-50s mark was the average for the whole of FPL. And that's the kind of bench art mark across the reason for that being is that we saw that these premium players weren't present. So you saw, obviously, that Trent wasn't in the team. So if you had Simicast on your bench, like I did, you get that five points. So that's the balancing point. Antonio, one of the big scorers, people uh, benched him for the week and lots of people actually sold him. I think it was 2.8 million players sold Antonio, which means if I have to buy him back this week or they should have put him on a bench and waited. Yeah, absolutely, Rob. So I was just having a look at uh, the fact that, um, you know, one of the players here, he did triple captain Salah. And I think that's, uh, Salah's the one really at the moment. And we're obviously going to talk about Liverpool and uh, a couple of the must-haves. But, you know, getting your triple captain right as well, you didn't get it right, obviously, a couple of weeks ago. I just had to bring that up because uh, you did triple captain and obviously Salah only got a couple of returns. But the captain, the captaincy, captaincy choice this year is quite key, I think, for me. And you haven't looked at your team here right now. I think that's where you're really getting the edge. I mean, look, Salah has been the mainstay for me in terms of who I've been captaining. But you've got the options of Lukaku as well. But having a look at your team here, really, 
I mean, you didn't have the most stellar of weeks. You got Kovacic, you, one of your big picks last week. You got the assist. Livermento is a really good budget option at the moment. Cancelo got points as well. And Ings, Ings got an assist. But all in all, you know, really, Salah was a standout for you, wasn't he? Yeah, but also, as I said, I play this game by averages. So it's now been five weeks there. And I haven't made one transfer over the top yet. So I've not wasted any points. So there's not one game week where I wasted four points or eight points or 12 points. Top of the um, game at game week one, 79. Next week, 67. Next week, 83. Next week, 82. But last week, 56. So as an average, I'm happy with that. And you can see that, I think, with my team that that a lot of players, they, they go big on their premiums and then weak on their budgets. And that's also one of the main ways to lose this game. So everyone wants a Ronaldo, everyone wants a Bruno. We're going to talk about those two players a little bit later on. But for me, it's the balance. So Lukaku and Salah are my premiums. I do believe that those two are going to score goals all season long, whether Chelsea win the title, whether Liverpool win the title. But then there's a good balance, I think, between other players who, who will give you points returns on a weekly basis. Torres going to be uh, City's number nine this year, but didn't play. It was one game he didn't. Antonio will come straight back into my team. He's having a stellar season. And then you've got the likes of Gundogan, who I've actually moved out, and we'll show you that for game week six. But Cancelo, and then these extra guys that are bringing in those, those kind of unfashionable points, the Liveramentos. Marcel had a really good week the week before last. It's just about the balance. Yeah, I mean, just looking, have a look at, having a look at your team, you know, I'm just going to compare mine. I had Tony and Tony got a goal and assist and, uh, you know, fantastic returns there for me. Simakas came off the bench. You have Simakas sitting on the bench, but he came off the bench um, and uh, he came on for Torres for me. And Kovacic, let's talk about Kovacic because uh, that was your big pick from last week and I went with it. I did take out Benaram, who scored. Obviously, that's my luck this year. But, you know, still, all in all, Kovacic had a good a good return. He got an assist. And Kovacic, you're looking at the Chelsea game this week, playing Manchester City. But beyond that, Chelsea have got a fantastic run. And I'm really teeing up looking at my my uh, wild card and thinking, you know, am I going to do it this week or next week? Um, but having a look at some of the picks, I mean, Kovacic, that was a, that was a really... Probably a bit of an out there one option, to be, to be honest, Rob. I, think, I don't think many people would have thought... Unless, obviously, you're crunching the numbers for Ian Kovacic, but he's a really good value option, isn't he? It's crunching numbers, there's no doubt about it. So, Kovacic, as a player, not particularly a popular player, I think, amongst people who watch the Premier League, whether that be Chelsea fans or not. But there's no doubt when you look at his numbers and the kind of position he's playing at Chelsea, like this is another thing I look at, he's not playing a defensive role, really. He's playing as a number eight. He's getting forward, he's getting goals, he's getting assists. So... When you look at how Chelsea set up, you're going to see that the central midfielder this year is going to be pretty dynamic. He's going to score goals. So Kovacic at around the five million mark, I think, is a no-brainer because you cannot get a player who will get you goal returns, assist returns, a man and a match performances at five million pounds. Impossible. Doesn't happen in that position. There are other players in terms that you can look at the budget and look at ranking. We're going to look at budget players today. But I think Kovacic at the moment is without a doubt the outstanding option at around 5.1 million. Absolutely. And it's, it's also important to note, Rob, that his role has changed from last season. Last season, you know, he was playing, he was less, um, he had less license to go forward. He is getting forward. He's uh, he's a fantastic dribbler of the ball. We're seeing a bit more of end product for him this season. So, uh, no, he's definitely one of those that are flying under the radar. When you're looking at Chelsea, obviously, I think a lot of people are going to bring in Lukaku if they haven't already in the next game week or so. Probably look at a Chelsea defender as well. I'm eyeing up one of uh, Alonso, really, at the moment. I mean, he's started a lot of the games. 
But when you're having a look at the midfield and you're thinking what you can do, Mason Mount hasn't, I, I saw a statistic, I believe today uh, from someone on Twitter that it was uh, 20 games, I think, since Mason Mount has scored and assisted. And you're thinking about, I had Mountain at the beginning. Um, so I don't know, I, I don't know really, you know, sort of what's going on with Chelsea midfield there. But when you've got people like Havertz, who's a more of an expensive option as well, Kovacic is great value for money. But Rob, look, let's move on to the main focus of our show today. And that's a Liverpool focus. Obviously, we are a Manchester United uh, tactical podcast, but, you know, we can't overlook these three, Rob. We really can't. I mean, I'm looking at Mane and I'm thinking Mane out of the three probably is the one who uh, who I would uh, be least likely to pick. But uh, he's, starting to, he's starting to improve a little bit, hasn't he? I mean, you're just looking here. Salah's absolutely smashing it. He's got a uh, return every week apart, barring the game week two. And then you're having a look at uh, Trent as well. You know, obviously he had a difficult season last season, but look, he's got six points, 12 points, four points, 12 points as well. So, you know, he's done very well and he didn't play last week. And uh, Mane's taking some form as well. Obviously he had he blanked in the first week. He had eight points in the second week, five in the third, um, and he had eight in the fourth and, and eight again. So, you know, Mane is slowly, slowly cooking. But let's just talk about Liverpool generally. So, Looking at the goalkeeper as well, they have Hallison, who's got the top scoring in terms of goalkeeper. I believe they've got the best defence in the league at the moment. You know, the defenders, Van Dijk's come back in and has been very strong. You've got uh, Trent, obviously, has been very well. Salah's, Salah's smashing it this season. He's a must-have pick for me today. And then you're looking at Jota as well, who's a potential value pick and a, a differential. So what is your strategy with the Liverpool players? Because I think that you can't really overlook one of these three. I mean, especially Salah, but you're looking at Trent as well. And we talked about it. Something I actually said about Trent, remember in one of the first couple of episodes is that he's not good value for money. And I got shut down by the listeners. I got shut down by you at 7.5 million compared to, you know, he's getting numbers that other wingers are getting. And he is probably the, one of the value picks, isn't he, of this, uh, of this current campaign. He's a premium, certainly as a defender. But I think the thing with Trent is that because there's so much upside at the other end of the pitch, so he takes set pieces, he can hit the target himself, he can ghost into midfield at times, he can do all sorts of things. You said there that he had a bad season last year. And in the real context of, of real football, yeah, he didn't do that well because Liverpool didn't do that well. He was still the top-scoring defender in FPL. So it, it, these things matter in the real world, but when we talk about FPL, we're talking about a slightly different context. Now, I always say that every season you should maybe target one or two clubs. So what I mean by that is that you look at them, you have faith in obviously their rotations, and you feel that they're going to have a good league campaign and that you should have three of their players at all times. So if you had two, two teams that you did that with, then you'd have six of their players, wouldn't you? So I think at the moment, when we're looking at the first few game weeks, Liverpool are the team to have one of those two teams this year are going to be Liverpool. It doesn't matter if Liverpool win the league. doesn't matter if Liverpool reach their own expectations. What matters is what their players do in FPL. So this is what the game is about. So we present to you here the three obvious ones, Salah, Mane, and of course Trent. But with Liverpool, there is a real layered hierarchy of pit players that are getting points every week or potentially going to get points. We've even talked so much this, this month about Simicast you know, a player that no one even knew probably six weeks ago. So this is what makes Liverpool such an appealing prospect for FPL managers. Because you could go for any one of those three. You probably couldn't afford all three together. You might be able to afford, say, Salah 
and um, and Trent or Salah and Mane and downgrade your midfield. But then you've got Jota. Then you've got Allison. Then you've got Simicast, like you just said there. You might want to go with Van Dyke. You know, Liverpool have got these layers to them of players that get points, man of the match period performances and all of that going forward. Firmino might even come back into form later in the season, but at the moment he's kind of got a bit of a knock, so Jota's benefiting from that. So that's your choice, really, is to find a way to get Liverpool to get you points every week. And I think we've seen enough, haven't we already, Haydar? This team is going to compete for the title. They're going to beat most teams. And Salah's just doing what Salah does every week. Goal, assist, goal, assist. Trent didn't play last week, but started the season really, really well. But then you look at Mane, and I think he's the one heating up. He's a premium player. He's very expensive. But he's going to get you returns. And he might even get more points than Salah at the end of the season. Look, Salah's numbers since he's come back to Premier League for Liverpool are staggering, Rob. You know, not, not just from obviously a footballing perspective, but his FBL numbers, he's been up there or thereabouts, top performer nearly every single season. I mean, look, I'm going to bring in, I want to couple this with a good question here. And it's, you know, regarding, let's compare this to Manchester United's options. So the question here says, thoughts on non-Ronaldo main United attackers once Rashford and Cavani are fit. Greenwood has been great for me, but worried about his playing time in a few weeks with so many choices. And I'm not counting Martial. Now, let's, uh, Rob, let's have a little discussion about some of the options. So I've got Bruno Fernandes and I've put my faith in Bruno Fernandes because obviously last season he was the uh, the top point scorer uh, for midfielders. So I think in the FPL as a whole. And a lot of people have gone for Ronaldo. Now, I'm really strongly considering uh, taking Bruno Fernandes out. I'm going to leave him probably for a week. When I do my wild card, I'm really going to consider, you know, sort of what else is out there. I want to bring in a top striker. I haven't got a premium striker. I'm looking at Lukaku. I want to bring in Trent as well. So I think Bruno is going to be sacrificed. But is Bruno, are Bruno Ronaldo the best options? Ronaldo is going to score goals pretty much week in, week out. He'll have a couple of weeks where he'll blank. But having a look at Greenwood and Pogba, are they now two options that have pushed themselves into reckoning? And could you say that even better value for money than Bruno Fernandes and Cristiano Ronaldo right now? Well, the short answer to the question, are they better value? The answer is yes. So when you're playing, you're you're paying that premium price, Haydar, you're looking at, say, over 11 million. That's a kind of benchmark. You know, Ronaldo already is at a price higher than Salah. Now, that's because every Man United fan wants him in his team. And we know that Ronaldo seems to have come to the, back to the Premier League and is quite happy and scoring goals for fun. And you're going to get a player that scores for you every week. But can you turn that money into the same point, save that money, and then put that money into other players who will get you even more points. So I think at the moment that Pogba and Greenwood are a better combination than Bruno and Ronaldo. Why? Because Pogba and uh, Pogba and Greenwood will allow you to buy a much higher quality player across your squad. So rather than packing your squad with, you know, your Duffies at 4.3 million at Brighton who are doing well at the start of the season. And you might have a kind of a false economy there thinking to yourself, well, that's good because I've got my premiums, I've got Ronaldo, I've got Bruno. There's no doubt that that will come back to haunt you later on in the season when Duffy's getting zero, 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 zero across a month. So that's an issue. So you have to look at it like that. And that's how I look at it. So at the moment, as I have done in many years gone by, I've not got any United players on my team. And that's because I don't really like the performance value. I know United are at the top of the league and 
Ronaldo scoring goals and Bruno's done all right. Got a hat-trick in the game week one. But I don't look at kind of the middle ground and feel at the moment that this is the right time to invest in United. If United really pick it up and start blowing teams away, then they can't kind of come on my radar. And that's how I'm looking at maybe Liverpool at the moment because they're not they're not blowing teams away, but their team their players are getting points like clockwork. So the short answer there is don't buy Ronaldo because at 12.7 million that is an incredible outlay for one player. I've gone for Lukaku at 11.5 million because I think he'll score just as many goals as as Cristiano. But then that extra million might give me the opportunity to get a better fullback that gets me assists. It might even allow me to take, say, take on Trent when I'd be stuck with someone else at 6.5 million. These things do matter in FPL, and that's why we want to talk about them. Rob, I'm gonna I'm gonna counter what you're saying because I'm just gonna bring out cold hard facts. Manchester United are the top scorers in the Premier League this season with 13 yeah. goals. So I, I understand FPL for me, Rob. It's uh, you kind of have to discount the actual what you're seeing on the pitch because sometimes what you're seeing on the pitch doesn't actually marry up to what you're seeing with FPL points. And the reason why I say that is, for example, I know this is maybe not the best example, but let's say someone like N'Golo Kante is, is absolutely top, top class, obviously, on the pitch, but it won't translate to FPL points. We're saying here that, obviously, you know, you've got to have Salah definitely 100%, and then, you know, maybe one of Trent and Mane. I would say Trent. But Man United are sitting top scorers. They're going to score goals. They've got so much firepower. Even if they're playing poorly, Ronaldo's probably going to come up with points. Uh, Bruno will always always come up with points i think or he might have a couple of banks but then he scores scores in you know large amounts so is it a little bit premature to turn around and say you know not to have a man united player so why are you thinking of selling bruno fernandez sorry i was having a little drink of water there wasn't expecting so, to come back so quickly why am i thinking of selling bruno fernandez yeah um because applying I, that logic yeah applying that logic say. logic why am i doing that because i need to improve the rest of my squad so um, I'm not discounting Mason or Pogba. I still think, you know, you have a Man United player in there, but I feel that I need to have a little bit more quality up front. I need to have a, one of the premium options. I will go for Lukaku because he is 1 million less as well and he's going to score a hat load of goals. And I'm looking at the rest. I'm looking at my defence and thinking, you know, I'd love to have someone like Trent in there because, you know, the returns are fantastic. And then I'm looking, right, I still want a Man United player. So this is what I'm thinking, obviously. I'm, I'm thinking of stepping away from the premium Bruno or Ronaldo but going towards the the Masons or... And I think eventually, Rob, I think Sancho, maybe in two to three months' time, will push himself to that reckoning as well as being a really good option. I just think right now, and we don't know if Bruno Fernandes is going to take penalties. That's a big thing for me as well. Well, I don't think he will. It'll probably be Ronaldo. So I'm thinking, let's get more quality at the top end and the, and the bottom end of my, of my squad and then look to bring in a Pogba or a... Or uh, Greenwood, who are who are influencing and um, scoring goals and assisting for Manchester United. I, I, look, I agree with you, and this is why I suggested it. It's why I said that those two players would be ahead for me for than Bruno and and Ronaldo. Um, when I look at this, you know, you said about about why would you not have Man United players in there? For me, like you said there about what you see or see in real life doesn't always marry up with the points. That is very very true. But I'm not seeing enough from Manchester United as a whole, even though they're top of the league and they're getting points. So I'm not, I always think next five, six games, I've said this before, I'm looking long term. So if I was going to invest in a Man United player, probably the first one would be Luke Shaw. Yeah. The second one would probably be Paul Pogba. And then the third one would be Mason Greenwood. 
But I don't look at those three at the moment and think when I look at the other teams that are getting points and that are doing well, that those three are essentials. So Kovacic is probably going to get as many points in the middle of the park as Pogba at the moment. You know, when you look at that, when you look at the balance, if Pogba ends up in the double pivot, that's a big problem. So this is where you have to actually watch the football to see where these players play. If N'Golo Kante was playing as a number 10 tomorrow and scoring goals every week and you were watching that, you'd be buying him. So this is the kind of the balance between the two. I think when you look at United, um, when you look at their run of games, they've had a really nice opening run of games. Yeah, yeah. I was going to bring this up. The run so, of games for United is, is tough now coming up. So the run of games that they had has been good and now they're go not going to hit a brick wall, but the their ability to get higher XGs at the other end of the pitch and achieve those to be able to get points is not going to happen. And if it does happen, it will be through brilliance, yeah, or or an amazing kind of piece of magic from one player. Now, if that happens and that's a consistent thing, that's fine, but it's rare. What you need to do is get find players that consistently get you points against all manners of clubs. And this is why we're looking at Liverpool, because last year, everyone would have had a ton of Liverpool players in their team. And what did Liverpool do? They let everyone down. So that was a nice thing as United fans. We were quite happy to see Liverpool fail. We all wanted that. That was great. We ended up above them in the league, in the real world of football. But in FPL, I think when you look at Liverpool, say, top six uh, point scorers across the board, already you can look at them and think, they are going to get me points for the whole season. You can almost make that assumption. Do I feel that about Paul Pogba? No, because there's going to be a moment when he ends up in a double pivot for yeah, whatever reason. When yeah. Rashford comes back, most likely that is... When Rashford comes scenario. back, then Greenwood might go and sit on the bench. So so these these take them away from me. You see, this is why when I talk about players not being rotated, you know, we'll look down the list in a minute of we obviously what we discussed before, before we went on air of points to kind of go through. The, the players to look at are the ones that don't get rotated. And that's why in the first six weeks of FPL, it's really important to watch, to look at the numbers and see who's playing 90 minutes and having that cause and effect on results. The the two guaranteed um, United, I think United attackers that will play week in, week out are actually Bruno and, and Ronaldo. And obviously, depending on where Paul Pogba plays, if he drops back to the double pivot. So that's why they'd be the obvious choices, but we're looking at the prices. Rob, quickly, we're going to touch on Jota before we move on to some of the best budget picks. Um, but what are your thoughts on Jota? Is he uh, is he a really good differential or, or uh, alternative to someone like Mane and Salah? Yes, and and I think the thing is with Jota is that he's had one good game week so far, but I wouldn't let that put you off because I do think that he will be the number nine for most of the season. He's a midfielder on FPL. Same way that uh, Ferran Torres, same situation. And a midfielder. And of course, well, this, one of the things with Mason is that Mason will probably play wider. So uh, he will play through the centre now and then. But with Ronaldo at the football club, if Ronaldo plays every week, Ronaldo is going to be the number nine every week, isn't he? So, But I, I do think Mason will still get you goals from any of those positions. So that's not a problem. But would Mason be ahead of Jota for me? The answer would be no, because Jota's going to play as a striker. And would he be ahead of uh, Ferran Torres for me? The answer, again, is no, because these players are going to be central strikers, and that helps. So I think when you look at Jota, kind of 7.7 .7 million, I think he is at the moment, he, again, fits into this bracket of having three Liverpool players. So you could go, really, with uh, Trent, Salah and Jota and afford them comfortably and still have a really, really strong squad that hasn't been impacted by over-the-top premium buys.
That's a great point as well, Rob. You could actually couple Jota with a with a Salah, and that's that's invaluable if Jota's playing week in week out. And I think look, yeah. Liverpool, Liverpool are Liverpool looking strong, and the usual suspects are getting the points. But let's move on to the budget options because I think this year more than most years, Rob, I'm seeing some absolute quality budget options there. So we mentioned Kovacic, so we won't go into him, but he is obviously a player that uh, we're quite high on at the moment this season. Conor Gallagher has been a, a bit of a bright yeah. spark, hasn't he, for Palace? Um, you know, he's one of those players I have been looking at when I'm looking to do my wild card next week because obviously City are playing Chelsea, so I think I'm going to wait a week. He's a player who's very creative. You know, he got some great returns against Spurs, I believe. Tomorrow Gray, we mentioned him before on this show, Rob, and he's uh, had a really good start to the season. Uh, him and Andros Townsend both, you know, surprising. It's great to see Tomorrow Gray do that. He looks like he's uh, a starter on that left-hand side. He's uh, He's got an eye for goal. He's doing fantastically well. And then Saar as well. Saar got a couple, uh, didn't he? And he's uh, he's an option that a lot of players, a lot of FBL players have looked at. But uh, what would be the best ones, best one for you? Because I'm looking at Palace a little bit in there. They're, they're a bit hot and cold. They're going to put in a good performance here and there. There's no guarantee that Gallagher will get points. I mean, I'm looking at Kovacic really with Chelsea's run, but I think Damari Gray has to be mentioned. I, I would be sticking clear a little bit of Watford, but there is Dennis as well, isn't he, up front for Watford, who's uh, who's a good, really cheap option, I believe, at £5 million. Watford have a really good kind of pair of games coming up in terms of their ability to, to score points and to, to win games and score goals. And that makes Saar on everyone, puts him on everyone's radar. Uh, he looked really good last week. He looked really good at the start of the season. But he's a bit streaky. You know, there's there's times where he'll get you 15 points one week and he'll look like the best best right, uh, best wide forward in the, in the country. And then other weeks he'll get you two points, two points, one point, two points. And you've then lost that value on average, haven't you, across a number of weeks. So Watford, I'm, I wouldn't be particularly hot on. Um, one extra budget player we didn't mention there was Dan James. So Dan James is now at Leeds. Leeds have got five really good fixtures coming up and they've also got injuries. So you would think that Dan James now going to that football club, having played a few minutes now just to get, get into Bielsa's setup, learning how it is, he might be ready to pop. So around six million, he's really, really good. I I think Kovacic, as it stands, is the outstanding value pick because of how cheap he is and because of the position he's playing and for the club that he's playing for. But the player I think you've really got to look at now at the moment is the guy that you sold last week. Is Ben Rama at six point five? Let's not let's not talk about. Let's that, look at him. Yeah, let's look at him because at six point five million and the way West Ham are playing at the moment, West Ham have now got a run of fixtures like Leeds and X five that look very winnable, but also just in terms of even if they don't win those games, it looks like a good set of fixtures for their forwards. So part of that is Antonio. I think Antonio is an essential pick. We will look at him a little bit as well later on. But I think with Ben Rama at six point five million. You know, an extra 5.5 to get him ahead of Dan James at the moment. Dan James hasn't really notched a point yet. If you're a shrewd FPL manager, you'll be looking. That's not, that's not, a, that's not a go at you. Sorry, mate. If you're a shrewd manager, you will be looking at him at 6.5 million. Because I think when you look at his returns, he's the second highest points gatherer midfielder after Salah. So that tells you everything you need to know at this stage of the season. Will he maintain that? I'm not so sure. But as you rotate your own squad through the season, having someone like Ben Rama, there might be weeks where you think, do you know what? I'm just going to put him as my first substitute. He's going to play for West Ham and West Ham might be playing, I don't know, at Chelsea or at Man City or at another one of the big teams. And I'll just have him on my bench for that week. I think a 6.5 million is an incredible value for that. Yeah, quick one here, Rob. Is Trent going to be fit? 
while we're while we're still on the back end of Liverpool? Allegedly, yes, allegedly, but it's not confirmed. Like he he wasn't expected to be out last week. You know, there was there was talk about him being out. No one expected Simicast to play. Then Simicast did play, and it was like, well, Trent hasn't really got too much of an issue. We don't even know if Trent was rested. Really, we don't really know. There's not been a lot of chat about it. Okay, fantastic. Hello, Rob. We're going to go on and discuss Alonso. We mentioned Alonso um, at the the beginning. I mentioned him saying that when Chelsea play City, obviously the week after is a great time to use your wild card and looking to bring someone like Alonso in. Look, top scoring defender in FPL. He's he's yeah. playing almost to the levels that he was under an Antonio Conte, where he was playing as a wing back. Chelsea played the three three at the back system, so you know the the wing backs are almost almost absolute gold dust in in, in this uh, in this system. And look. Is there is there a risk maybe that we could say could see Chilwell play a bit more? You know, you know Chelsea will have more games, Champions League games coming up next month as well. Is there a risk that that might happen? Right, you would have expected, wouldn't you, by now that when you look at the balance of Chelsea's play and what the kind of games they've had, that you would have seen this alternation between Chilwell and Alonso, and it hasn't happened. You know, Tuchel's played Alonso week one, week two, week three, week four, week five. He's played him. The reason why he's playing him is because he's playing this over wing-back system. So, Chilwell can play as a wing-back. We all know this. He's an attacking player. He can do all of those things. But is he as good as a Alonso on the front foot? Well, the answer to that is no. Is he better than Alonso on the back foot? The answer to that is yes. But you can see what Tuchel was trying to do. Uh, I was always tempted to bring Alonso in at the start of the season, but I just felt that at his price and with the uncertainty of whether he would play, I was kind of put off by him. Now I'm looking at him. As you said, he's the top uh, points gatherer for defenders in FPL because he's just always on the front foot. He's just a, he's just a forward, basically. He's kind of just playing as a as a left-sided midfield forward, really going for, uh, going into the positions where he can affect the game. But he also takes, he takes the odd set piece. He's in and around that whole attacking fulcrum of how Chelsea are playing. And that makes you think, is this the time to go for a player like him? Now, all the while, his price is getting bumped up. But then the issue becomes, what happens the week when Chilwell plays? Because that's going to happen as well. So it's going to be a week when Chilwell comes into the team and maybe he plays even better than Alonso. And then Alonso spends two, three, four weeks on the bench and you've just spent a lot of money on bringing him in. So a decision for people to make. If you're going to buy into Chelsea, I think, for me, Kovacic, and Lukaku are the essentials. Yeah. And then you need to find one more. And and because Ch the way Chelsea play, yes, you'd like one of their wing backs. But Thiago not... Silva, Rob or Rudiger, probably if you want someone that's going to play week in, week out. Yeah, or even Charles... as for Liquetta. He's no, played I... on the right-hand side recently, obviously, with James out. But James will be coming back as well. So yeah, there indeed. is a risk with they've got four. The Chelsea have got four potentially four fullbacks or wing backs. Chilwell Alonso, Reese James, and obviously Aspilicueta if he's gonna if he's going to play it out there and uh, they play Christiansen. So there is a risk, isn't there, of rotation? There's a risk of rotation in the same way that there's a risk of rotation at Manchester City. But if Chelsea hit their marks, like City do, it doesn't matter if City's top players don't play. You know, as long as they get on the pitch at some point, they'll get you points. So that's really what you care about. It's just maybe the difference of them getting you 12 points in a week and maybe getting you six. Now, if they get you six, you're all right. You know, because if everyone gets you six points in a week across your 11 players, You've hit your average, so you're happy. But I think when you look at this Chelsea team, it's it's just about timing it. And like you said there, they've got a, a better run of fixtures coming up. And you can see that I think that they will they might go through that whole six games. 
without conceding a goal. They might because they're that good. They can do that. Uh, my one Chelsea player that I had last year that a lot of people didn't have was Rudiger. So Rudiger was 4.5 million last year because no one expected him to play. I thought that was a nice way to buy my way into the Chelsea defence. And what happened towards the end of the season? Chelsea became the best defensive team in the country. And he's, shocked... had, he's had a really good start to the season. Yeah, right and that shocked even me at that point. You know, I was really buying him in because of the value and just because it was a it was a player who was starting games for a team that that should be somewhere around the top six. So, you know, Chelsea went on and won the Champions League, of course. So I think when you kind of look at that, Chelsea are a safe bet. You know, whoever you go for at the moment, and like Liverpool, you know, in, if the form continues for those teams, I think I think Chelsea are safe. The issue will come with, say, someone like Chilwell does get back in the team. Like, we know James will. James will definitely get back in the team and he was playing brilliantly before he got his red card. So I think he will end up as one of the wing-backs. So you might really want to invest somewhere in the central positions, like Kovacic, the guys who are getting 70, 80, 90 minutes in games and still returning you points. Yeah, I agree with that as well. But I do think a Chelsea defender is uh, is a must, I think, going forward from, from next game week, game week seven. Rob, let's talk about Jack Grealish. He's gone under the radar massively, I think. One of the biggest things is that you're having a look at uh, Kevin De Bruyne, and he's usually a mainstay. He's up there with Salah as uh, the player that you have every single year. He's, uh, I'm not sure that he's, a, he's an option yet. We need to see him get up to, up to pace. We need to see him you know, playing regularly. And once he does, Rob, you know, I'm putting him straight in because he will create and he will, he will score. And he's that for me. I mean, he's the player that I've had pretty much nearly every single, I doubled up with him and Salah and, you know, he's done well for me, but having a look at Jack Grealish. Now you obviously have the pep, the pep curse, the rotation, pep roulette, as they like to call it. And um, you looked at, you saw it happen to Torres, but Jack Grealish is playing pretty much week in week out. Now, is it an option to bring Jack Grealish in because of the fact that obviously he's not being rotated by Pep or is it still a little bit too early to be bringing him in? And is it, is it better to go and maybe go with the Cancelo and the, and the Gundogan and the, the Torres sort of more budget options? Well, we'll see obviously my team for game week six soon towards the end of the show. And Gundogan was a mainstay stay for me last year. He's one of the reasons why I won all my leagues and all of that because he was getting incredible points returns. Now you were just saying there about De Bruyne. Um, he's been a mainstay in my team for years. Absolutely. De Bruyne, Salah, and as I said last year, Gundogan, that, that takes you over the top, you win your league. But is it the right time to bring in Kevin De Bruyne this year? Well, we talk about premiums a lot on this show. Uh, a player over 10 million, I need guaranteed returns every week, like big returns. So if you go for Ronaldo and you're going to pay that 12.7 million, you better bet that Ronaldo gets you goals every week, yeah, or the odd assist or something, man, of the match performances. Now, you know that if City do well, that you're going to see Kevin De Bruyne burst into form at some point. But at that price, I need him to be an elite goal scorer as well as his assists or an assister at, at a kind of even higher level. Jack Grealish was a player that I said at the start of the season, do not go near yet, because we just didn't know how City were going to use him. But I think the £100 million price tag has guaranteed him minutes in a way that maybe in years gone by it wouldn't have done. So he's still going to get rotated in and out of the team. But up until game week five now, he's not been rotated out of the team. He's played every minute pretty much. And he's done all right. He's done okay. He's a kind of in that mid-level. And at £8 million, would I go for him at the moment at eight? Or would I go for De Bruyne at kind of 10.8? 
I'm going for Grealish. So Grealish eight is, eight is crazy, Rob. I, I didn't. I haven't actually looked it? at Grealish this year. I thought he was going to be sitting at ten. Obviously, with no. he, was, he was what six and a half last year, seven and a half, something like that. Yeah, and eight, because, eight million is great value, Rob. Yeah, because Jack Grealish's numbers are always a little bit deceptive. So when you go back to Aston Villa, everyone thinks that Jack Grealish is a hundred million pound player, and lo and behold, he becomes one. Yeah, City buy him, but when you actually looked at his numbers, they weren't massively impressive. He would get goals every now and then. He would get assists. He was the most foul player in the Premier League. We know all these these facts and stats, but he wasn't really kind of a, a premium midfielder in FPL. This year, when I think when you look at him at 8 million and you look at the City rotation, so let's look at the mainstays. Raheem Sterling is a premium, not really doing it, not really happening. You look at someone like Torres, Torres is mid-level, but Torres is going to play games as the number nine. Gundogan, still relatively mid-level, he's going to play games. Then you look at Mares, and Mares is maybe the guy that might miss out because of Grealish. But even Mares will come off the bench and get you a goal and assist, really like clockwork. So uh, could you use that kind of having that that kind of triple threat of City players and having Jack Grealish as one of those within the price range? The answer to that is 100% yes. For me, I've got Cancelo. You know, you've brought up my game week six team here. I'm keeping Torres. I've moved Gundogan out because he has a knock. He's likely to play, which probably means he'll punish me. No doubt he'll play and uh, and score a goal and that will be that. But he's 75% likely to play. But I've moved him out this week for two reasons. One, because I do like Ben Rama and what he's doing at 6.5 million. Incredible price. But I've also banked the money. So I had one transfer. I've banked the 2.4 million. And I'm banking that 2.4 million. Because if I get a, an injury to a Lukaku or a Salah or an Ings or an Antonio or a Ben Rama now obviously in there, I want to go and buy premium as a replacement, not a 5 million pound maybe starter somewhere in there. So that's why I bank money early on, because it also means that if if I get seven injuries next week, Hader, which does happen, yes, I, I'm going to be using my wild card. So that having that money in there, that 2.4 million, with all of this talent that's already in my team, it's a good way and a good strategy to build your squad over many, many weeks. Yeah, Rob, I want to drill into uh, Livermento because yeah. he's, been, he's been a really, really good player uh, Budget option, looking at him, he's about 4.1 million. Is he a must now, Rob? Because you're having a look and you can't have premiums everywhere. You can't, you know, you need to have these, these um, sort of, I'm going to call them wild cards, sort of, or unexpected players that just sort of turn up on the scene and um, are absolutely fantastic. And he's one of them that's going to play week in, week out. Um, he's, he, I believe he's played on the right wing. I watched the game where he was actually playing on the right wing. So he's, he's good going forward. Uh, Southampton are a bit of a funny one, obviously. They, they drew a city, but they're not, I wouldn't say they're going to be that high this year. They could be a, a relegation contenders, but you know what? They, they're keeping clean sheets. Is he a must now, Rob, in everyone's squad? He's a must. And the reason for that is that you get budget players and then you get ultra-budget players. So the ultra-budget market is normally pretty poor, rubbish. Doesn't really kind of float your boat. You might do what's called like a kind of bench and stash option. If you've only got small money because you've gone big on the Ronaldo's of the world or the Salas, and you want someone at that kind of 4 million to a 4.5 million mark ultra budget to maybe just come in every now and then. So as you can see for my team this week, Livermento who kind of comes in at this budget value of around 4 million pounds. I'm starting him this week. And that's because when you look at Southampton's run of games, Wolves, Chelsea, Leeds and uh, Burnley, 
Chelsea is not particularly nice. Of course, I'll be pulling them out in, in week two of that run. But when you look at all the other players and kind of also with where big teams play big teams and you're trying to find those extra points, Livermento is not playing as a defender at Southampton. He's playing as a winger. He's in the box. I think he had more touches in the box than any defender in the league so far this season in the opposition's half. So he's one of those players that at the price you cannot refuse him. And it's also the reason why I've kept him a cast. Because I think at four million pounds, if Trent goes and stubs his toe in training, then Simicast is going to play. It's just as simple as that. You know, if Robertson has a relapse, then Simicast is going to play. So at the moment, where I'm not moving things around too much, just one transfer a week, I'm keeping these two ultra budget options. It allows me, Haydar, to go a little bit deeper into other marketplaces. And that's why I kind of think with my 11 there, you know, if you look at the back four, Marcel's 4.5 million, big returns two weeks ago no return last week. You know, Cresswell is kind of mid-level. Cancelo is maybe slightly premium for defenders going over £6 million, up to £6 million. And then you've got Livermento, who's who's very, very cheap. And then you can start putting extra money into other positions. This is what FPL is about. My bench there of, you know, Kovacic, uh, Dallas and Simakas are all players who can score points on a weekly basis. And it's and crazy got- that you've got 2.4 million, but you've got, you know, players from... You know, I know Simakas is a cheap option, but you've got players from, uh, you know, established clubs, Leeds, Chelsea and, and Liverpool. That's the key. Like, I look at my bench and I, I usually... This is where I'm trying to change this year. And this is... I've got about one and a half in the bank. Um, and when I do my wildcard, that's going to be my focus to have a bit of money in the bank. Usually I always go and spend all the money. And that's probably where I've been I've been tripping up. But having a look at that there, Rob, they're all they're all pretty much I mean barring Simakas, they're all starters week in, week out. I want to ask you though, why have you gone? I mean, I'm looking at um Leicester struggling a little bit this season, let's be honest. They haven't had the greatest of starts. Why have you gone for Sanchez on the bench and you've started with uh Schmeichel? What was the reasoning there? Well, when you look at the two players' overall form, it's very, very similar. Um, and and uh, Schmeichel did have a couple of really good weeks towards the start of the season. The reason why I've done that is just because Sanchez is going to go to Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace are playing more progressive football this year and they've got two or three forwards who are popping at the moment. Yeah, so they've got players who are who are confident in front of goal. So I would expect the Crystal Palace to have a fairly good week this week. Brighton themselves have done well in terms of their clean sheets across the board so far this season. But I think with Burnley turning up at uh, Leicester, and of course this is the kiss of death for Leicester, the Burnley are not ever going to be the most threatening team away from home, on the road, up top. Yes, they might score goals, but it's more likely for me this week that I go with Schmeichel over that. But again, I have two starting goalkeepers that that will play and and it's a toss-up. It's, it's actually, I'm quite happy to have either one of them in my goal this week. It's just that I'm going with Schmeichel this week. And at 5 million, I would say he is kind of the le- the highest level I would go for. I don't like going for goalkeepers over that. I don't like buying the Allisons and the Edisons and and kind of the top-end goalkeepers. Yeah, because agreed. When you, when you look at the return value and you think that goalkeepers actually earn points for saving shots, that's really important that David De Gea might be your goalkeeper, but he might only have two shots to save in a whole match. Therefore, that downgrades him. He might get a clean sheet, but that's a problem. So these these goalkeepers in maybe mid-table to the bottom half of the table have some real value in terms of points accumulation. Yeah, and looking at Manchester United, they're not keeping clean sheets, Rob. That's that's the reality. And, that's why I haven't got know, any of them. That's why, you know, <laughs> Luke Shaw, for me, Luke Shaw, he's offered, obviously, he's got an assist for Ronaldo in the Newcastle game. But again, that's another one that I'm keeping eyes on, thinking, you know, 
uh, United don't keep clean sheets. They haven't done for, for a it's very a long time. Yeah. It is a problem. So, but look, Rob, I want to read out this team here. Um, so it. it's uh, Sanchez in goal, Livermento, Trent and Semedo. I think it's a really good team, actually. Uh, Salah, Torres, Rafinha. And uh, is this is Kieran. So Kieran wants to sub out Rafinha. Then it's Gallagher, Lukaku, Ronaldo, St. Maxima. I believe Kieran did use his wildcard last week. Um, and he's saying any suggestions for Rafinha because you you know we've had a discussion before. You got Dallas on the bench. I mean, I've had Dallas. He hasn't really. He's in barring the return against uh, who was it? Uh, Manchester United for the assist for Ailing. He hasn't really given many returns. Would you be going leads for leads, looking at their run of fixtures? I mean, look, you can see the fixtures there. Or would you be maybe be going for someone like Dan James? Or would you be looking at uh, you know possibly like a Kovacic or someone like that? Right. Well, I'll tell you my logic around those because I saw Rafinha was was out. Basically, he's going to he's injured. He's probably not going to play. Uh, so that's come off the press conferences today. Uh, but I think when you look at teams and targeting teams, if you look at my my game week six team there, I have three West Ham players. So that tells you everything that I think about West Ham at Leeds. Uh, we saw firsthand as Manchester United fans how fragile Leeds can be defensively at the start of the season. So even when I think they're at home, they're still a the kind of team that might ship goals. It's just the way it is. Um, they have got, I think, three or four players that they're starting 11, what would be their normal starting 11, who are doubtful at the moment. Patrick Bamford is one of them. So it looks like Bamford might won't, won't play either. So would I buy into Leeds? Well, Leeds have got this good run of fixtures, like I said. And it is a chance that if you've got money and you want to kind of give it a go, you want to get rid of Rafinha maybe and say, right, let's see, because Rafinha is not going to play. Could you go with Dan James? Well, yes, you could. But I think there are at least 10 better options than Dan James at the moment, even though Dan James is one of the better ones. So if you've only got £6 million to spend and that's all you've got because you've gone big on your premiums, Dan James works. If you can go all the way up to 6.5 million, just that extra 0.5, then I would be looking at someone like Ben Rama. So that's, yeah. so that's the balancing point. So for me, I wanted to start Dallas in that game, but because I've put my faith in West Ham, it, it's counterproductive, isn't it? If I put Dallas in my team, but maybe say leave out uh, a Livermento, which is kind of the player I looked at originally. Livermento was on my bench. Uh, he got good points last week, Livermento. I think that Southampton could probably get a goalless draw against Wolves. So that, that's the kind of game, even though Wolves have had plenty of attacking opportunities. And that means that both Marcel and Livermento would get me six points. So that's why I dropped Dallas, put him to the bench and bought Ben Rama. Because I really do feel that West Ham, you saw against Manchester United in these two games, you know, they were, they were, they were probably the better team in both games in, in many aspects, you know, in terms of their attacking play at times. Uh, and I think with Antonio back in the team, they become an even more potent force. Uh, I was almost, you know, before we came on air, I had my trigger finger on Antonio as my captain. I was there, I was looking and looking and looking and looking. And then when I realised that Salah's got 50 points in the first five yeah, weeks. Yeah, you, you, you can't overlook Salah. At Brentford, I thought... I'll stick with Salah. Uh, if, if Salah got, was injured tomorrow, I would be more than happy to have Antonio as my captain because he's had an incredible start to the season. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm very high on West Ham, Rob. You know, I've got um, I've got Kufal. I've got... Um, I did have Ben Rama, but obviously I took him out for Kovacic, but Kovacic still got returns and yeah. uh, Chelsea have got... A, um, sorry, Chelsea have got a good run. Uh, and I've got Antonio and I didn't sub him out or, or transfer him out. I know a lot of people did. And I think that was a mistake because I think that that's, that's when you're trigger happy, right? Obviously he was only out for one game. Antonio for me, you know, is the, the best sort of mid range um, option 
you know, I'm talking about, you know, after the Lukaku's and, you know, the mid middle range player that you can have at the moment, in my opinion. Yeah, I think when you look at that seven to eight million pound bracket and there's a lot of players littered in that kind of in that space, especially up top and in midfield. I would say the best player at the moment in FPL to have in that price range is Antonio. That's a kind of no-brainer. But then the sleeper here, who I think could really explode this season, is Torres. So I think when you look at those two players, Gundogan, of course, is a sure pick. The issue with Gundogan is that with De Bruyne coming back into the team is that Gundogan is now serving a much more defensive function. Yeah, he'll drop back. He's playing at least 20 yards off where you want him to play every week if you want him to be a point scorer for you. So that's also one of the reasons why I sacrifice Gundogan for someone like Ben Rama, who, let's be honest, is going to play in and around the box. And if Antonio's, you know, scaring defenders in a way that he has all season long, then Ben Rama's also going to get points. I will add there, just with that big fixture that's up there, obviously, with Chelsea and Manchester City, uh, I've gone from two, from three City players down to two, partly because of the fixture, but do not be surprised if Lukaku gets a big points haul this week against Man City. I still don't think City are, are at their optimum yet. They're playing okay, but I don't think they're anywhere near their best. And I think there's also space there for someone like Kovacic at five or so million quid to maybe go in my team for a Cancelo, because if Cancelo is going to get shipped a load of goals, and I feel that for some reason, then that would be more of a bit of guesswork. Rob, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Chelsea destroys City on, on transition. Chelsea are ready to kind of play a bit more strong arm. Yeah, and what I mean by that is that I think they're going to beat teams more convincingly this year than last year where they were getting those one nils, two nils, simply because they've got this incredible force up, up front at number nine. And this is why I've gambled on Lukaku this year. It's not because of anything to do with what he did at Manchester United or even anything he did at Inter Milan. I just think in this system... He's going to be the point of the attack. They're going to try and get everything to him in the same way that Ronaldo will be at United. Like, is it better to have one United player and just make it Ronaldo than have three of them and kind of waste money across the board? Well, Rob, this is this is actually going on to a good question here. We, you know, we've got a couple of questions before we wrap up, but um, you know, the question here is saying um, you mentioned obviously you just said one player. Do I have one or three? Is it a risk to have three players from one club in case they get shut out? Or do you just risk it figuring it will work out in your favour more weeks than not? Well, this is why I said target only two teams. So, you know, if you were to have three, three and three across three clubs, you do find that maybe one of those every week or two or three will have a bad week, even the top teams. So you've got to kind of look at points returns. And the way I look at it is this, is that I want players who, even when they don't start, are going to get me points. Even when their team's not playing particularly well, will still get me points. And then I will invest in that club. So last year, that was Manchester City. And you saw that Manchester City's players could sit on the bench, they come on for 10 minutes, get you a goal. And you're like, that's good. I'm happy with that. I can live with that. This season so far, it was City up until very recently. But as I've said this week, I think it's going to be Liverpool going forward. But there's other clubs. And the other club at the moment for me is West Ham. So I've got Antonio, Ben Rama and Cresswell. And if, for instance, even this week, say they have a bad week and Leeds thrashed them, I'm still sticking with that because I feel that that West Ham team at the moment are ready to score points, to get me goals and to get me points returns, even if they don't particularly win matches. But I think the big premium team, of course, is Liverpool. I think when you look at them, you know, they're running into big teams as well. Like when you look at Liverpool, they're going to hit City, they're going to hit Man United, but they could still beat Brentford and Watford by a big scoreline and they could still beat City and United. So in that four game run, 
you could see huge points returns for the likes of Salah, for the point, likes of Mane. But you might also see someone like Trent go from maybe the third or fourth or fifth best defender in the league in terms of points to number one by a mile. You might even see someone like Robertson, who's not even featuring at the moment because he's been injured. He might go get you an assist in every one of those four games. So there are options at Liverpool that simply other clubs do not have. Yeah, absolutely. Rob, we're going to finish off with a question here. Is it too early to consider Leon Bailey? He had a great debut last week. I think he got injured, to be honest. He came often here. I'm not sure if he's... That's, why you, that's why you don't consider Leon Bailey yeah. if he got injured. But he, he looked injured. good. He, like, there's no doubt. Like, when you look at his record in the Bundesliga, and I know these points can be can be faux sometimes. So people are obviously talking about Sancho and what he did in the Bundesliga. It's not quite happened yet. But I, you know, I, feel, I feel good about Jaden. I think when you look at uh, Bailey... He's been brought into that team to effectively replace the creativity that Jack Grealish had. But let's be honest, he's probably more creative than Jack Grealish. When you say Mendy's done that, Rob, I think um, Bailey's yeah. come to offer a bit more firepower, though. He's he's uh, he's a great dribbler. He's also um, I, I, he's an intelligent player, actually, to be honest with you. Very intelligent on the ball. Uh, intelligent with his runs as well. I, I see him more, Rob, as someone who's going to hurt teams but we're using his I mean, he's rapid isn't he using his pace and behind when do when is the one for me who you know he takes corners he's going to be the one that's more that creative going to be getting the assist but i can imagine them linking up and you'll be seeing bailey get more goals i think than assists and it all depends on what you think of aston villa so this is why it's, it, it does count to watch teams so let's see this this weekend now we don't know if, if bailey will be fit to play against united but he might play he might be incredible on a transition and he might get a goal and assist, and then we're all talking about him in next week's show a little bit more. When you look at Aston Villa's run of United, Tottenham, Wolves, and Arsenal, an Arsenal team starting to come into form very slowly, getting clean sheets week after week in our last three games. For me, I don't like that run of fixtures, so I'm not thinking Aston Villa heavy. So when you look at my team there, how many Aston Villa players have I got looking at the weeks two to three to coming up? The answer is zero. So if I'm looking at a player in that range at the moment, I think that he is going to get assists, like you just said there about uh, what he can do. But when you look at his Bundesliga figures, it shows that he's more of a facilitator than a goal scorer, though he does score goals, there's no doubt about it. But when you look at this Aston Villa team, they have got other options as well. It won't just be a case that that he will replace all of Jack Grealish. You'll numbers. be looking at you'll be looking at Danny Ings, Rob. Probably he's probably licking his lips, thinking, right, I've got someone who's going to put a ball yeah, in. Look, the for me, Danny Ings could be at any club in the Premier League, and I would have him in my team because he is that type of player. I don't. I'm not particularly hot on Aston Villa, but even if they lose those next four games, Haydar, he might score in every one of them. So that is the way you need to look at FPO. You need to kind of have an open mind and sometimes not just think about whether it's about winning or losing. It's about how you go through it. But I wouldn't really have any any other Aston Villa players across my team at the moment. Last year, they were a really good defensive option. So lots of people invested in Villa defenders at around that 4.5 million mark. And they were getting six points, six points, two points, six points. And that's a really nice run for a team who are like effectively mid-table. So at the moment... Not too hot on Aston Villa, but keep an eye on them because if they have a good game against Man United and, and you know, explode at Old Trafford, you know, and that's something we will have to deal with and have to talk about on our shows, um, that won't be particularly pleasant. But that might be the time then to go and invest. Or they might be the kind of team that in a week or two with your wild card, you might think, yep, I want to bring in one or maybe two because I like the fixtures a little bit down the line. 
Absolutely, Rob. We're going to wrap up now. The the biggest tip we're going to give you today, Rob, I'm going to say this. You've got to have Salah and you've got to consider, you know, Trent, in my opinion. And uh, if you're going to go budget option, you've got to be looking at Kovacic. What is your uh, tip for this week? I think run of games means that the two teams that have got the best run at the moment are Leeds and West Ham. Go and invest in those teams. The only problem with Leeds is just we're not sure about who is fit. So Bamford might have been a good choice about three minutes ago, but now he's got this injury, you're kind of not going to be looking at Bamford. Rafinha is also, of course, the kind of player that, that will get you returns in, in that kind of run of games. When you look at Leeds there, West Ham, obviously one of the teams we've just talked about, but Watford, Southampton and Wolves, they're kind of appealing fixtures. But I think as well with Leeds, are they really as good as they as people think they are? You know, I think at United, we saw that that was not the case. So if I was going to choose one of those two teams, I'm plumping for West Ham and that's exactly what I've done. And I'll just Absolutely. add there, we've not talked about it in Cresswell. I just talked one extra bit there. Sorry, before we go, Cresswell. Cresswell is yet to light fire, but he takes every set piece pretty much. And if West Ham are going to be functional and score goals from set pieces and maybe say someone like Suchet's kind of starts Suchek, yeah. scoring, scoring a few goals and their centre-backs pop up with Z it. With Zuma a, as well, Rob. I think Zuma could be a, And could be Zuma an pops up with an odd goal every now and then. You're going to see that Cresswell is going to be the assister in many of those case, cases. So for me, Cresswell, Ben Rama, Antonio are probably the best triple that you can get from one club in that price bracket at the moment. Very strong words, and I, I think you're uh, I think you're absolutely spot on. Guys, thanks so much for all your questions. Some fantastic qu questions. Thanks for listening. We have got the Masterclass. We'll be live on Sunday evening for that, so keep an eye out for that if you are a Manchester United fan. If you're not, just come and watch because, you know, we uh, do offer <laughs> Man United tactical analysis. Rob, thank you very much for joining me, and we'll see you all next time. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. 